Today on Quest, the mother of a six-year-old child with past life memories, Erica Alberry. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and this is Season 2 of Quest. For those of you that might be new listeners, let me tell you a little about me. I'm the founder of Metatomics and the author of the best-selling book, Metatomics, The Grand Design. I'm a philosopher, a theorist, and a metaphysicist. I'm a perpetual pupil of theology and an expert in comparative religious study. I've also extensively researched the mind-body connection, anatomy, and physiology. I'm a researcher and a storyteller. And in order to tell this story, the research is necessary, and part of the research is the search. And that brings us to why I created the Quest podcast. A quest is a search for something. And this podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. To me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. And there's still so much we don't know. There's joy in discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Quest. Today, I get into past lives. Along with near-death experience, past lives are a topic I'll be revisiting a lot this year. I first became aware of Atlas and his mother on the Netflix series Surviving Death. And today, she'll be telling us all about the experiences her child has had since he was a baby. This is truly an amazing interview. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the Quest Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I am uh, very excited about the interview today. You actually have a son who was recently in a Netflix show. So you have a child with past life memories. And this is something I'm very interested in. And I wrote about this extensively in my book. Tell me about your son, Atlas. When did you first notice something was going on? Well, he had, um, as a baby, things going on that I didn't connect to a past life until he had, you know, his memories, like telling me about his memories. Um, like as a baby, he, um, I mean, probably about one to three years old, at least he used to scream in his sleep for hours, like screaming and crying. And as he talked more, he would be saying, ouch, ouch, it hurts. My legs hurt. And like his eyes would be partially open and we try to talk to him and he'd be like in a state where like his eyes were kind of open, but he would just be screaming. And so that now like putting it together could have been him remembering, you know, right. his past life. How, so, how, how long did this go on? I mean, 
I mean, it was years because I remember thinking, well, it only happened four times this week because I, I was not sleeping because <laughs> I was constantly up with him. And so wow. it happened like three to four times a week for, for one to three to four years old. Like it started tapering off as he got older. To like and these were these were basically like uh, nightmares he was having. Is that right? Yeah, like, a, like almost like, I don't know, night terrors. Like I was Googling it like because his eyes would be partially open and he was like, ow, ow, it hurts. And I would have to say, Atlas, you're at home. It's mom. Calm down. You're okay. And he'd be like, okay. And like, speaking to me but i don't know it was very weird now when the night terrors were going on did you consult a doctor about that yes like when we went to his like um checkups at his pediatrician's office i would tell her he does not sleep well because he's tired through the day i'm tired i feel worried you know he has all these nightmares and she i mean he, we went to a therapist like a child therapist but it it didn't really, I wasn't, I don't think it did much for him. They were just like, what color means mad to you? And talking about like a lot of, I don't know, uh, feelings and stuff like that. But I don't think they, it didn't really address like the nightmares. So sure. they felt he was just stressed out. Right. So the night terrors could have been looked at as, you know, any number of things at that point, but really the activity started to happen at about five years old. Is that right? Yes, it was right before his fifth birthday is when he just started talking about it out of the blue. Now let's let's go into that. What was the first thing that was said? What what got your attention that he uh, that he talked about? Well, the whole thing was we were just driving across town back home after dinner, and we were in the car, and he was staring out the window, and he was just like kind of staring out there, and he just said, "Well, you know, I remember." I miss going to the park with my mom. I kind of just said it like that. And I was like, oh, me, you know, like you're talking about me going to the park. I think it was raining that day. So I thought that's what he was talking about. And um, he was like, well, no, the other, my other mom, you know, she has really pretty hair. And I was joking with him, like offended, like, oh, I don't have pretty hair. <laughs> um, and he started, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, it's my other family. And so I, I kind of just like kept asking him like what other family just to see what he would say, I guess, you know, because I didn't know if he was just like being silly, you know, just making things up. Sure. And he was like, well, when I had brown skin and I had my mom with brown skin, she took me to the park. I'm like, who? Like if you were someone else, who were you? And he said, oh, I think it was Robinson, Jake maybe Jalen Robinson. I remember that. And I remember my mom and my dad with the last name Robinson. And he said, and my mom's last name is Washington. And I just remember like, like I'm just driving, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just like, how would you even know that name? And I was trying to think if there was kids in his preschool class with that name and, you know, and um, he went on to say, well, I think somebody killed me and I was a baby and someone killed me. And he said that he was remembered kicking and crying and he could see a TV and he was kicking at, at a um, table. And then he just remembers kicking inside of my stomach. Mm. So I was just like, and, and you researched I, this and this was in fact a real person. 
yeah, like I drove straight home and he went to play and I just sat here like just trying to gather my thoughts of what he, all the stuff he just told me, like, where did this come from? I don't know where. And so I kind of got on my phone. I just started like looking up those names. I mean, it was right there, you know, the story about Jalen Robinson who was murdered by his babysitter. Um, and then I was like, okay, maybe that's a coincidence. There's, that could be a popular name. For some reason, I saw the mom's last name was Washington. I was like, oh my gosh, like it scared me almost, you know, like, is this really it? Like I called his dad, <laughs> I called my mom, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm scared, I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is a really an interesting thing. So in my research of it, I, <clears throat> Jalen was a real person and Jalen Robinson died in 2005. Mm-hmm. Now, just for perspective, Atlas was born in 2014. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So there, we have a span of time here. So this wasn't, uh, this wasn't in maybe an incident where this was heard on the news as a news story or something that would have been planted. This would have happened a while ago. So, and the, and Jalen died. So the manner in which Jalen died was truly tragic. And he was in fact murdered by his babysitter and he was 19 months old Mm -hmm. when the babysitter sealed his mouth shut with duct tape and he was suffocated. It's horrific. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to just take a second and go back to the night terrors. Here's mm-hmm. something that I think is really uh, interesting. So um, where the night terrors came from, you know, g- generally, the first memories of the reincarnated soul are actually the last memories, however traumatic they were of the previous self. So those night terrors could have been related to the actual death of that infant. And then some people, some of the naysayers out there will say, you might wonder how Jalen at 19 months old would remember that incident, Mm -hmm. the death or the parks or any number of these other things. Like how could a 19 month old remember those things? Most of us, most of us don't have memories much before we're three years old, but the science shows us that by 10 months old, babies remember a lot of things Mm -hmm. and their short-term memory develops extremely rapidly in their first year of life. So in general, we've discovered that although short-term memory emerges early in life, it rapidly develops between four and 10 months of age. So traumatic events, early memories, even though you might not remember these later in life are still there. So -hmm. it's very likely those things could have, could have transferred over if you're one that believes in reincarnation. Um, And leaping forward from the night terrors in regard to, you know, Atlas at five years old, there was actually some independent verification done of these past life memories. And that's what we see in the Netflix show. Tell me about that part. What was what was validated there? Um, When Dr. Jim Tucker came to our house, he um, brought photos that I have actually never seen either, like they were photos like Atlas has never seen them. I have never seen them of uh, different apartment buildings in Brooklyn, New York, in, in New York type buildings, which are not typical buildings here in Indiana. Um, he just puts them out on the table and said, do any of these look familiar to you? And he looked at him and said, that one. And um, he said, that's the building that Jalen lived in as a baby you know that was it was just a series of photos and I was shocked like that he even picked that up and then they showed him a series of playgrounds um 
he picked one straight out and they said that was the playground that was across the street from the apartment building. So they would assume like he would have seen that park. And so he said, I've been here right there. And um, then also with Jalen's father and Jalen's mother, which he had seen um, a family photo before of Jalen and his parents. But, mm -hmm. and, but I had tested him before like when I found the parents, I showed him some random African-American men like, hey, do you know who this guy is? He's like, no. And I kind of swiped through. What about this guy? And he was like, that's my dad, you know. So I had done that to him already. And he chose those. But he also so he picked out the playground in the apartment building, so, hmm. which is, I was caught off guard by that. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Was there ever an effort made to reach the family of Jalen? Yes. I think that is what I've been asked thousands of times. <laughs> Everyone asked me, what about the parents? Um, so after he kind of said what he said to me before I ever contacted Jim Tucker or anything, I found that both parents on Facebook, they're not together. Like the, they're remarried and stuff. And um, I kind of sent a message to both of them. The father messaged me back and we've, they both know about it. I've talked to both of them. And the grandmother like talks, has talked to me about it. A sister has talked to me, but I don't know because they will say, oh, I wanna video chat with them. And they would back out every time, like right mm -hmm. when we're about to do it. And then they kind of just all stopped talking to me together. I see. So I said, you know, I know this a lot. Um, I'll put the ball in your court. If you ever want to reach out to me, I'll be here, but I'm not going to push you because this is their son that passed away. And I know that mom has a lot of PTSD and trauma from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be a tough situation. Yeah. So she said, I, I can't do this. If this is even 1% chance, some hoax or something fake, she said, she can't, you know, yeah. bring to do it. So I said, okay. But then at one point we went to New York and we were going to meet her, but she also backed out like when we went there. Yeah. And then I've, they told, the dad has told me that he watched the documentary and he is just in a lot of shock about it, but no, no interest in meeting, I guess. So. Yeah. Are you or your family spiritual or religious? I grew up in a very religious household. <laughs> So, um, like I went to church twice a week, my whole life till I was about 20 something. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how does this affect your spirituality, this concept of reincarnation, which you're kind of seeing in front of you? Is that, uh, is that a topic of contention among fam the family or is, are you accepting of it? How does that, how does that work with religious views? I think I'm very accepting of it because I was the one in my family who would be like, how did that happen? Why does this happen? What's Buddhism seems interesting. And these people seem, you know, I would talk about, I was interested in other religions and beliefs and I was told, you know, why are you talking about that? Don't talk about that. You know, they, I think people in religions don't want you to look, think about other things. Sure. So I've always had a quite an open mind about things. Um, like, I'm like, nobody knows the answers, you know, 
there's a whole world of people, lots of religions. So yeah. I wasn't, I'm not, I was not like freaked out. It did not change my religion or mindset. I was just like, wow, this shows proof that something's going on, you know, like yeah. that's proof right there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Say my close family, my close family is like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. But like more like distant family, they've not really talked to me a bunch about it. And I, they're yeah. not saying anything negative, but they're not saying anything at all because they don't believe in reincarnation in any way. So, yeah. Are you an absolute believer in reincarnation at this point? At this point, yes. Um, I yeah. have heard about it in the past, but, you know, I don't know. So, but now that it, it happened to me, my son said these things, you know, I'm not making anything up. You know, he, I don't even know how I'd make that up. And so now I feel like it's one of those things that seeing is believing or, you know, it's, it happened to me. So I have to, it's like the facts are in front of my face um, that there's something I've thought maybe people who didn't get a chance to live, get a second life. You know, I don't know how it all works, but yeah, it seems like a yeah. lot of reincarnation <clears throat> stories happen about murder or accidents, things like that. It's interesting because, um, there are actually a lot of beliefs in reincarnation through religions. It's not just things like Buddhist philosophy where you, you come back cyclically until you have lived <laughs> the perfect life and then you move yeah. on. <clears throat> There's actually a lot of Christian scholars that believe that the idea of reincarnation is part of Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's just over time gotten diffused in how it's taught in the church and that in that um, the judgment period is sort of the same type of thing. It's either self-imposed judgment or a judgment on you to, you know, for the need to come back and relive your life. And that the concept of heaven and hell is heaven. You don't have to, you get to be near God and you get to not have to live another life. And hell is your absence from God and having to relive on earth again. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a lot of people that believe that the idea of reincarnation is throughout a lot of different spiritualities and religions and philosophies. And what I write about in my book is a kind of a combination of all of these things. That's what my book is about. And it's interesting because the Jewish believe in the theory of the guff and the guff was a treasury of souls. And there were a finite an exact number of souls that were made. And what would happen is these souls would come down and inhabit a body and you'd live out a life and then you'd go back up into the guff and then you'd come back down again. And this would keep happening, happening uh, cyclically. And uh, their, their apocalypse version of, you know, those Old Testament stories, the actual final sign of the end was the first child born without a soul, which would mean the guff was empty. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about um, the, how past lives are right now is there, there have been recorded past life memories as far back as the old West. So in modern history, we know of people in the old West that had these experiences, not much earlier than that, because people just didn't pay attention to stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But let me give you kind of a timeline to see, because I think actually Atlas falls perfectly into this, into this um, scale. So in the 1970s, People that had past life experiences generally had past life experiences of being in, you know, feudal Japan or somewhere in Europe. You were living in the 1400s. Like it was a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. But what happened was we were going from 
you know, we were just at a billion people. Now we're at seven and a half billion people. So if you believe in the idea of the guff, then the guff is emptying rapidly. And it's like an hourglass filled with sand that you just can't turn over quick enough, right? So the sand just keeps wanting to come out quicker and quicker and quicker. That's what the guff is. And um, what's interesting is within the last 10 years, we're seeing a lot of kids just, just like Atlas that are having memories of people that are more recently deceased. So for instance, in Cincinnati, there's a boy who has the memories of a fireman from Chicago that died in the fire that died in the late nineties. Mm -hmm. So the, this, the, it's getting closer and closer and closer in time. So if you do the math in that, you can see that the idea of this guff is emptying quicker and quicker, quicker and quicker is happening. Then no one really knows how many of these souls were created. Um, but let's say it's 10 billion, just for throwing mm -hmm. a number out there. We could be moving toward the end of that, which fulfills one religion's apocalypse and another's, you know, eventual your your Christianity, your entrance, your entrance into heaven, and those people that are going to go there, and it fulfills Buddhist. So it fulfills a lot of different religions and spiritualities and uh, philosophies. And I find it all very fascinating. So for for Atlas to have these memories from 2004 is it fits with the same things that are happening to other kids across the country. And it's, um, it's really interesting. So, you know, what I've devised in my book are theories, you know, that's all it is, is theories. There's no, there's really no way to put any fact to this, but they're interesting theories because they're, they're pieces of different religions coming together to, to make the story work. And that's what religion is. You know, one religion omits this and one adds that. And they all, you know, they all kind of are sort of all on the same team, but, um, but they definitely have distinctive differences. So let's, let's move up to now. So Atlas is six, almost mm -hmm. seven years old now. Mm -hmm. Are the memories, are they getting stronger or are they subsiding? Does the, his story ever change? Do any new memories come up? Where is Atlas at now? So it is supposedly common as they get older that they forget. Um, yeah. I've read that. I've heard that a lot. Um, he seems to talk about it the same that he has talked about it, like nothing new. And I don't know if he's just remembering what he said. You know, I'm trying to like, I tried to ask him about it. When the documentary came on, he sat and watched it with me. And so I was trying to ask him some more questions about it kind of like to see if he remembered because we hadn't talked about it for a while. Like it's been a long, like months and months and months has gone by. We have not discussed Jalen. Um, so sometimes I'll just, I just pulled up a picture of like Jalen's mom and he's like, oh, mommy, you know, you know, my other mom. And so he still sees Jalen's picture and his parents and will say that's his old family. But I don't know if it's just because he remembers that picture is his old family or does he remember them? You know, like, you know, I don't know exactly what he is remembering, like the story or the past life. Right. So, so he's it, not said new things though. Sure. Sure. It must be difficult to discuss or get deeper into these past life memories with Atlas, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you rather have him probably become his current self rather than let him kind of relive those past life memories or have them influence him? How does that work? How does a mother, how do you, how do you address that? Um, well, I, well, I feel that 
I felt like he got some type of closure yeah. and it made him feel better because at the very beginning he said somebody killed me and I think it was my own mom and he said his own mother had murdered him hmm. and it was actually the mom's best friend babysitter yeah and when I told him that he was actually very happy about it because he said I thought it was my mom you know and so I don't know if somehow Jalen as a baby maybe thought that was like a mother-like figure or someone he knew because he thought it was his mother who had yeah and yeah. I never told that to his actual mom because I don't want to hurt her anymore you know right. um, so I feel like he seemed relieved after he told me about it and found that part out and now he talks about it like a happy thing like he doesn't seem to dwell about it he doesn't have night terrors anymore um he just will say oh yeah my old yeah about it like that so as long as he's happy and able to be a happy child that's all I'm, i care about i guess what do you say to people that say you're making this up um it's i'm like how <laughs> you know actually i had a close friend of mine right when you started talking about it they're like oh well i bet that's just something you heard at school they're like what like how is that something you heard at school <laughs> and yeah. they just like I don't think people want to believe in things that make them have to think too much or question their own beliefs. They rather just say, nope, it's not true, than question their own beliefs. Yeah. Because then they are wrong. And so they don't want to believe that they're wrong. So right. I just, if someone says no, I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm not going to argue about it, I guess. They kind of just, Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a, it's hard out there. Saying, if you don't want to believe it, don't believe it then. Yeah. Um, if I'm not lying, I wouldn't do this for attention. You know, I'm not getting yeah. any money off of this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I love the story of, of, of Atlas. I, in my own independent research for my book, mm -hmm. when it came to near death experiences, past life experiences, there was a significant amount of people I had to sift through um, because you get people that are profiteers and you get people that are stage moms that are coaching people into these things because yeah. they want some kind of exposure. So yeah. to find the real deal experiences like what you have is rare and it happens so much, but I think a lot of people don't want to come forward. They don't want to talk about it. It's like, it, it's, it's so weird. It's probably not a great comparison, but it's like UFO abductees. Sometimes they just don't want to tell anyone that this happened to them because they're afraid of what people will say to them, you know? Right. Like, really? You went up in a UFO? Um, okay, right. Right. Jim Tucker had told me that, you know, he goes around the world, like, investigating cases. So, like, he's, that's his job. Um, so, it's, he's told me that cases in reincarnation are huge in other countries, but not so much in America. Because a lot of Americans, if they heard their kids saying something like that, are not as likely to tell people or like put it out there. Yeah, because, that's like, true. And they, or it says either they don't listen very well to their children, like what they're saying, like, or take it serious, or like they don't want to tell people that because they're going to be like, well, I don't want to be like this laughing stock or like this weird family. So they rather just not talk about it. So. That's true. That is true. There's a stigma attached to that. And a lot of people, they don't want to, 
to do that. What would you say to a mother out there that may have a child having the same experience as Atlas? Um, I feel that you should take them serious. Like if a child is telling you anything, anything at all, I think you should listen to them. And I'm a preschool teacher, so maybe I'm just like biased in that. I'm really into, you know, listening to children and you know if anyone's telling me something, you want to say, okay, I believe you. Um, or, you know, don't ask, I guess, question. Like I would just say, well, what else could have happened? You know, when I talked to Atlas about it, I didn't like, you know, ask those questions that like put something in his head. Like, were you drowned? Were you, mur-? you know, you didn't want to put the idea in their head. Right. Um, I could just let him tell me and I wouldn't push it. And I don't know. I just feel like you should tell, don't be afraid to tell people. Um, if people think you're crazy, then so be it. <laughs> Um, as long as what you believe and you believe in your child, because I think the child will respect you more, you know, if you listen to them, because they know other things. Well, I told my mom about this and she doesn't listen. So why tell her anything else? Um, right, right. Wow. That's incredible. mm -hmm. It's a, I just, I don't, I don't have the words. Like I can't imagine what that would be like to go through and to, uh, to investigate the story and that you even got you know, uh, the leads and the, you got the newspaper article and all that stuff to support this. Like so many Uh people don't have the luxury to get in a full name or that it was part of something that was, you know, a murder investigation essentially. So like that you really were able to see this one through a lot of, a lot of families will never really figure it out. Right. And they'll always be left. Yeah. I was grateful that I was able to find it. There's a name. Like if he just said I was some kid that was murdered, how far would that go? You know, mm-hmm. the fact that I had names. I mean, when I pulled up the obituary, there was the picture of Jalen as a baby and Atlas was sitting there and he said, you found my old baby picture, you know, things like that. And I'm like, what? I was like, that's you. Yeah, that's me. You know, um, wow. like said, you know, the documentary covers so much, you know, there's lots of little things that he has talked about and said, you know, that wasn't always covered, you know. Like, yeah, he has had since he was about two years old a fascination with African American people. Wow, and, you know, and I didn't realize. Now I think maybe that was why. Um, yeah, do you know? I'll go back to what I was saying mm-hmm. uh, about people in the seventies and that that had past life experiences. <clears throat> a lot of people um, that have been studied in that time frame had fascinations with things that were like, you know, Asian culture. They had Mm -hmm. a real interest in, in martial arts or, you know, something to do with the culture. Mm -hmm. And that's why is because these things stay with you from those really early lives. There's some, a little bit of math out there that says that everyone out there on the world today has, could have lived between 12 and 15 past lives. Mm-hmm. But we're only really remembering the most recent ones when we come back. And now when we come back, we'll, we'll remember more things because we won't have had time to stay in the guff and have those memories kind of be processed. That, that waiting period of time that used to be around where you might wait for hundreds of years before you were reborn. Now people are coming back almost instantaneously. And what we have today is we have a lot of people um, with identity issues as a result of coming back so quick 
And yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of psychologists out there that are really looking for the root of issues with people's identities, their selves, because <clears throat> these days we have a lot of people that may have just lived a life as a female that are back in a male's body. There's a whole lot of traumas that are coming back quickly because there wasn't this period of time to be able to process through everything that soul needed to process through before it came back. So it's really interesting time to, uh, <laughs> to see people in the world today. But uh, Erica, I love you that you shared your story today about Atlas. I really appreciate it. This was a great interview. Yeah, no problem. I have no problem talking about it and trying to share it. And everyone listening, go out and see episode six of Surviving Death on Netflix and, um, and see this because it's really, truly extraordinary. And, um, and if, any, if any other big moments happen with Atlas, he comes up with something new. Make me your first call. <laughs> <laughs> I will so we tell the story, but uh, I appreciate you this evening and, uh, and we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. There you have it. My interview with Erica Alberry. I hope you enjoyed it. What an amazing story. Have you or anyone you know had past life thoughts or experiences? I'd love to hear about it. Email me at questwithtodd at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash metatomics. I'd love to hear about it. I'll see you next week on Quest. Thank you for listening to Quest. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metacomics at metacomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content. And make sure to pick up a copy of the book that started a spiritual revolution, Metacomics, the Grand Design available for sale online and at most major bookstores.